Appreciate it. Isaiah 21, if you look at verse number 1 there, the Bible says, The burden of the desert of the sea. Uh, and the verse continues, as, the, as whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it cometh from the desert from a terrible land. As we get into Isaiah 21, we uh, begin the passage, and there's actually three burdens here. The, the majority of the chapter deals with the burden of, of Babylon. I'm going to show you that in a second, and we're going to deal with this idea of Babylon tonight. The Bible says that Isaiah kind of prophetically looked out into the future, and he saw this burden of the desert of the sea as a whirlwind uh, from the south passes through, so it cometh from the desert from a terrible land. A grievous vision is declared unto me, the treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously, and the spoiler spoileth. Now notice what he says. He says, Go up, O Elam, besiege, O Media, all the signs thereof have I made to cease. And I want you to notice that it refers to these two places, Elam and Media. Elam and Media were the ancient names of the people of Persia. I might be just a little too high now. I'm sorry, brother. I apologize. I know it's hard. Um, the, the ancient names of the land of Persia were Elam and Media. And, and this chapter here is basically Isaiah watching these Persians coming to destroy the nation or the, the empire of Babylon, which was the present empire at the time. If you look at verse 3, it says, Therefore are my loins filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold upon me. As the pangs of a woman that travaileth, I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted. Fearfulness affrighted me. The night of my pleasure had he turned into fear. Notice, uh, pre- fear unto me. Verse 5, Prepare the table. Watch in the watchtower, eat, drink, arise, ye princes, and anoint the shield. So notice, there's a nation here getting ready to go to battle. There's a nation getting ready to go to war. The princes are getting ready. They're anointing their shields. The watchmen are getting uh, in their place. Uh, Notice verse 6. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. And he saw, notice what what he sees coming towards Babylon, a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses, a chariot of camels, and he hearkened diligently with me, and he cried, A lion, my lord, I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole nights. Notice verse 9, And behold, here cometh the chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. So these armies, these military are, are coming, and the Bible says, And he answered and said, and I want you to make note of this phrase, and if, you don't, if you'd like to un- underline your Bible, take notes in your Bible, I'd underline this phrase, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. So what we find here is a prophecy by Isaiah of the fact that this nation of Babylon, this empire of Babylon, which was a, an empire that existed at the time, was going to be destroyed. And, and Isaiah, this didn't happen till later in the life of Jeremiah, actually, but Isaiah saw the Medes and the Persians coming and destroying Babylon. And he, and he makes, he says this phrase to let us know that it's a prophecy of the destruction of Babylon. He says, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. He says, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And I want you to understand something about Babylon. Babylon is basically spoken of as an empire three different times in Scripture. Keep your finger there in Isaiah chapter 21, but go with me to the book of Genesis in the, in, in, towards the beginning of the New Testament, I'm sorry, of the Old Testament, Genesis chapter number 11, <coughs> and look at verse number 4. Genesis chapter number 11. Do you remember the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament? That's basically the same word Babylon 
And when we talk about the Empire of Babylon, it gets its name from that Tower of Babel. And there's something interesting about the Tower of Babel. For those of you that, that don't know, at the Tower of Babel, the Bible teaches is where languages came from. At that time, everyone in the world spoke the same language, and God confounded their languages there. Genesis chapter number 11, if you look at verse 4, the Bible says, And they said, Go to. Now notice what they said. Let us build a city. Now, a city represents a, a municipality or a, a government, a, a type of uh, a government structure. So they said, let us build a city, but they didn't want to only build a city. They also wanted to build a tower. Do you notice that? And a tower, now what was the purpose of the tower? Whose top may reach unto heaven. And you've got two things that are being kind of illustrated here by uh, the Tower of Babel, or by these, these people that came together in, in Babel, all the way back in the book of Genesis. You have the entire world uniting, and what we see here is a one-world government at this time, a city that would be for the entire world, and then you also see a one-world religion. They're going to have this tower, they're going to go up to uh, heaven, that the top may reach unto heavens, and let us make us a name, uh, lest we be scattered abroad. Do you see that? Upon the face of the whole earth. They're trying to avoid being scattered. They're trying to avoid being separated. They want to stay united. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they shall, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. The Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off off to build the city. So basically they come together to build a city, to build a tower. God comes down. He confuses their languages. Some of them begin to speak Spanish and English and all sorts of different languages. They, they basically can't understand each other. They begin to kind of look for people that they can communicate with and they kind of divide into groups and they go off uh, on their ways and basically establish nations and, and cities on their own because God did not want the entire world to come together and establish a government that was just for the entire world and establish a religion that was for the entire world, so he divided them by their languages. Now notice verse 9, Genesis eleven nine. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. That's where we get the name Babylon. Because the Lord did there confound the language. And that's what that word Babylon means, or Babel. It means confusion. It mean, you ever t- heard of something? That guy's babbling. You know, what does it mean when you say, well, that guy, he doesn't know he's, like, he's babbling. Okay? It means they're, they're confused. They're just kind of uh, speaking words that you don't understand. It'd be like if someone walked up to you and started speaking a language you didn't understand. You'd think, what, that guy's babbling? I don't know what he's saying. I'm confused. I don't understand what he wants me to do. And that's what, God ha- what happened there with Babel. And, and the Bible says that the name of it, uh, the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now, later, an empire of Babylon was established. Now, uh, go, go to Daniel, chapter number 5, just real quickly. We're going to look at a lot of verses tonight, uh, so we'll do it as quickly as we can. Daniel, chapter 5, towards the end of the Old Testament. Daniel's the first of those smaller books, after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, then you got Daniel. Daniel chapter 5, and we could take the time, we could go through and, and look at a lot of passages. I'm not, you, you, can, you can read Daniel on your own. But remember the story of, of, of Belteshazzar when he saw the, the, the hand and the finger write those words and he got all scared and they brought Daniel in and Daniel explained what it all said. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 30, we're just going to come in right at the end of that story. Notice what it says. 
in that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. So that night when he saw that vision, when Daniel explained that thing, that night he was put to death, verse 31, and Darius the Midian took the kingdom. So remember Isaiah said that the Medes, Elam, and, the, and, and Media was coming to destroy Babylon. And Darius the Midian took the kingdom being about three score and two years old. And you ought to study that story out uh, on your own if you'd like. It's an interesting story how Darius came in and took over uh, the, the land. But here's what you got to understand. When, when, the Media, when the Medians took Babylon, they did not necessarily destroy it in the way that the Bible explains to us, that Isaiah explained and different passages explain that Babylon was going to be destroyed. They basically took over and kind of just took over and set themselves as rulers and left a lot of the kingdom still intact, even though the empire Babylon no longer existed. But God describes for us a destruction of a Babylon that, that, that is not exactly what happened to the Babylon of, of Nebuchadnezzar. Go back to Isaiah 21. I, I just want you to make note of this phrase because remember I told you there's three there's basically three Babels or three Babylons in the Bible we saw the first one in Genesis the Tower of Babel where God confounded the languages the second one we know as the empire of Nebuchadnezzar Belshazzar Daniel all those stories of Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego all took place in that present time uh, empire of Babylon uh, where Isaiah was referring to Jeremiah referring to all those things Isaiah 21, look at verse 9. I just want you to make note of this phrase. And behold, here cometh the chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Now, that phrase is quoted in the New Testament. And I want you to keep your finger there in Isaiah 21. But go to Revelation chapter number 18. Because in Revelation 18, we find that third Babel, that third Babylon, and I believe that God has given us a little bit of insight into this Babylon because when Isaiah was looking into the future, when God allowed him to see this future, he saw the destruction of of, of Babylon, present day Babylon. He saw Elam and the per- and the Midians, the Persians, coming in to take over the land. But God also kind of allowed him to get a glimpse into the future, into another. Babel, into another Babylon that is going to be destroyed. And when Isaiah said these words, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, years and years and years and years later, when John on the Isle of Patmos would also look into the future and would also be caught up in the spirit and allowed to look into the end times prophecy, into the end times event, he would also see a nation called Babylon that would be destroyed. And John quoted Isaiah. Look at Revelation 18. Look at verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was uh, lightened with his glory. Verse 2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, notice what he says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So we see here the connection between the Babylon that's destroyed in Isaiah uh, 21 and the Babylon that's destroyed in Revelation 18. Now, now go, go with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 50. The, the, three, the, the main passages that talk to us about Babylon are the ones we've already looked at in the book of Genesis. We have the, the Babel, which is just the Tower of Babel. And then, of course, Isaiah 21 mentions the destruction of Babylon here. Revelation chapter 17 and 18 both talk about this future Babylon. Now, here's what you've got to understand about the future Babylon. 
just like the Tower of Babel, there's two parts to it. There's the religious one world religion that's coming, but there's the governmental one world government. Do you understand that? Just like the Tower of Babel back in the book of Genesis, it was a religion. They wanted to get up to heaven and it represented that, that, that wanting to work your way up to heaven. There was a religious aspect to it. There was also a municipality. And, and that's why I believe one of the reasons God uses that name Babylon for this future one world government and this future one world uh, uh, religion that is coming because he says it reminds me of the Babel back in Genesis. And when Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, Daniel, was destroyed, God used that time to go ahead and give us some insight into that future Babylon that's going to be destroyed. So uh, here's what I want you to understand. We, we have Genesis that talks to us about Babel. We have Isaiah 21 that talks to us about the destruction of Babylon. And then probably in the Old Testament, the, the chapters that go the most detailed into this Babylon in the future that's going to be destroyed is Jeremiah chapter 50 and Jeremiah 51. And then in the New Testament would be Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 18, specifically chapter 18. 17 deals more with the one world religion. 18 deals more with the one world government. Now here's what I want you to notice. The Bible doesn't tell us who this Babylon is. In fact, in Revelation 17, it's referred to as mystery Babylon. And the the reason that he's used that word mystery is probably because it's a mystery as to who that Babylon is. Because when John, excuse me, I'm sorry. When John wrote about the destruction of Babylon, there was not a nation. There was no empire. There was no people by the name of Babylon. So it was used, and often in the Bible, God will not call a nation by its name. He'll call it by the name of another nation or another people that he's reminded of. Remember, oftentimes in the Old Testament, God will refer to the children of Israel as Sodom. Or he would refer to the children of Israel as Egypt. Even in the, even in the New Testament, he calls Jerusalem, you know, Egypt and Sodom. Because a lot of times God just uses a phrase of, of, of a nation that reminds him of the nation he's dealing with. And when he talks about this Coming Babylon. He talks about Babylon, but he, but he describes a nation that's different than the Babylon that you and I would know, where Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and Daniel and all those guys uh, fled. Now, I have a, a theory, and, and not just I, many people have a theory as to, as to uh, what this Babylon is. I believe it, it may be, and, let, and let, me, let me stress that. This is end times prophecy, and I don't think anybody can say 100%, I know for sure Babylon is, you know, whatever. I believe that one possibility that this Babylon nation that's going to be destroyed in the book of Revelation is uh, the United States of America. And I want to just show you some verses tonight and kind of explain to you why it may be. I'm not telling you it is. I can't tell you 100% sure. We'll have to go through it and, and figure it out as it goes through. But we're just, what, what, what God does is he describes a nation. And the description does not meet the qualifications of Babylon, but it does seem to meet the qualifications of America. And, and here's what I think is interesting. America, with the power that it has and, and, and the influence that it has, and, and more than that, the impact that the United States of America has made on this world for both good and bad, I, I just kind of find it hard to believe that God would kind of just leave us out of the judgments of this coming world. I mean, the Bible is very clear, you know, that, that nations are judged by God. 
And, and the amount of wickedness and sin that has came out of the United States of America, I just can't believe that God would allow our country to continue to go down the path that it has gone and just kind of ignore us and let us just go on our merry way. I believe that the judgment of God is coming on the United States of America. And I believe that the Babylon uh, in the book of Revelation and Jeremiah is probably that nation. Let me just give you a few verses. You be the judge and you study the Bible and you can, you can give me your thoughts if you don't agree. And that's fine. Like I said, I'm not even telling you I'm 100% sure this is America. I, it just seems to me like it fits the description. Go, are you in Jeremiah chapter 50? Look at verse number 1. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 1. Jeremiah, like Isaiah, was kind of looking into the future and, and watching this nation, he didn't know what it was. He, he just called it Babylon. He just called it Babel. And, and in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Now, you got to understand, Jeremiah is talking about present-day Babylon and also this future Babylon. So I want you to understand that. But look at verse number 12. Notice what Jeremiah says about this Babylon that's coming, this mystery Babylon. He says, your mother, now he's talking to a nation. He says, your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Now, here Jeremiah refers to this coming Babylon, and he says about this nation of Babylon, he says, your mother is going to be ashamed that she even brought you, know, she even conceived, that she even had you, that she birthed you. Now, again, and I'm not a history buff, and some of you may, may know, I, and if you do, please let me know, but you often don't hear of a nation having a mother. But I remember even, even me growing up, you know, in a public school system, in, you know, history class, learning that the United States of America had a mother nation. We had a nation that birthed us. The United States of America was not, the Native Americans that lived in, in, in this country did not unite, you know, and write a constitution and create the United States of America. But this nation was birthed by the nation of England. Remember, the nation of England sent colonies and, and kind of established the government. And here we have God referring to a nation, and he says, this nation, this Babylon, it has a mother. And we don't hear of a lot, you know, can you tell me the nation that birthed China? Can you tell me the nation that birthed, you know, so Egypt? Can you tell me the nation that birthed some of these, uh, the, these countries that have been around for, for hundreds and, and thousands of years? But we can look back into the history of the United States of America, and we can definitely see that there was a nation that birthed this nation. There was a nation that, that, that kind of brought this nation into existence, and Jeremiah talks about this Babylon having a mother. Not only does he talk about a mother, but also look at verse 12. He says, Your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, notice this phrase. And, and again, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, I would underline this phrase. He says, Behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. God referred to Babylon as the hindermost of the nations. Now that word hindermost means located farthest to the rear. It means the furthest back. It means the one that came the, the latest. That's what that word means. And when you're talking about nations, if you think about a nation that would be hindermost, a nation that kind of showed up late, a nation that kind of came in from the rear, a nation that kind of just hasn't really been here that long, you know, it, that seems like it would fit the description of the United States, a young nation. 
Because, you know, our nation was founded, you know, in 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed, and 10 years later, the Constitution was written and all that stuff. Our nation is, you know, 230-some-odd years old, and, and that may seem like a long time, you know, for us, but when it comes to nations, when you compare it to, to places like Egypt and places like Ethiopia, places like, like, like Rome and Italy and China, it, it's not that long, it's not that long for a nation. Now, here's what you understand, because sometimes people say, well, there are nations that have existed, and, and they're kind of young, you know. Uh, there's na- nations, you know. But here's what you got to understand. America is probably the last real nation, the last real world power that kind of came, you know, late to the game. Because when we talk about these other nations that, you know, are 30 years old, 60 years old, 100 years old, it, it's not that the nation kind of rose up. It, it, you know, the USSR broke up. And it instituted all these little tiny nations. But those people were already there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those people already had a government system. They already were, were there as a government. It just kind of took on a different name. And that happens a lot. Nations will change their names and they'll become new institutions. But the United States of America, there was no nation here. There was no government. There were some Indians running around, you know, in their uh, underwear or whatever they were doing, you know, and, and living in their teepees. But uh, another nation decided to birth this. If, if you guys think that's racist, my wife is like one-tenth uh, Native American, so I, I feel like I can say those things. All right. So, But, you know, the England decided we're going to send these colonies, we're going to birth a nation, and literally a country that never existed 230-some-odd years ago was birthed. And it kind of was the hindermost of the nations. It kind of just showed up late. It kind of entered the world stage. Uh, and, and that's what Jeremiah describes of the uh, nation of Babylon. This Babylon is a young nation, the hindermost of the nations. And again, I would ask you, what, what nation, what world power do you know that is, that is young? I'm not telling you it's America. I'm just giving you the descriptions, and you can decide what you think it is. Look at Jeremiah chapter 50. Look at verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 16. Let me give you another description of Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 16. Notice what he says. Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest, for fear of the oppressing sword. They shall turn every one to his people. Now notice, he says, when, when destruction comes to Babylon... The people that live in Babylon, the Bible says, they shall turn everyone to his people. Do you see that? So you have Babylon is populated with people that aren't necessarily from Babylon. Because when destruction comes, they all turn to his people and they shall flee everyone to his own land. Do you see that? So you have people living in Babylon that are not from Babylon. And when destruction comes to Babylon, everyone turns to his people and they all flee everyone to his own land. Look at verse 37. Skip down to verse number 37. Jeremiah 50 and verse number 37. Notice what he says. A sword is upon their horses and upon their chariots and upon, notice this phrase, all the mingled people that are in the midst of her. Do you see that? That word mingled means a mixture of. And God says about this Babylon that it's a mingled people. It's a mixed people that are in the midst of her. Go, go to, go, keep your finger there in Jeremiah 50. Go to Revelation chapter 17. Remember I told you Revelation 17 and Revelation 18 deal with this mystery Babylon in, in, in the future. Notice what uh, John says about Babylon in Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 15. Jeremiah 17 and verse number 15. 
I'm sorry, Revelation 17 and verse 15, not Jeremiah. Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 15. Notice what he says. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the, ho- where the horse sitteth, and that's a reference to Babylon, are, notice what he says, peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. You see that? So in, in Jeremiah, it says that everyone shall turn everyone to his people. They shall flee everyone to his own land. He says they are a mingled people. In Revelation, he tells us that, they, that this nation is filled with peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And can you tell me, can you think of a nation in this world that is more mixed and more mingled with different cultures and different peoples and different tongues than the United States of America? I mean, we are a country of immigrants. If we were, you know, if we were to go to, to France today and we were to meet in a group even this size and we asked, you know, how many French people are here? How many people who not just born in France, but they are descendants of the French? The majority of people would raise their hand. If we went to Russia, same thing. If we went to China, same thing. If we come to the United States of America and we ask, who is a Native American? I mean, you, you are you descended from someone who is from, you, you know, America. I mean, is there anybody even here who's a Native American? Who would just say 100% Native American? You're Native American? 100%? So how many people are here tonight? Yeah, how many people? Do you know what the count is? These ushers, they're not, they're not even known. <laughs> Wake up, guys. What's the count? <laughs> 54. So out of 54 people, one person says, I'm Native American. Yeah, but okay, but who would say, who comes from German descent? Raise your hand. Anybody from German descent? Oh, good. Uh, any Irish? Irish? Okay. Um, Hispanic? You know, Mexican or whatever, just Hispanic? Uh, nobody said German. Switzerland? <laughs> I don't know. You know, England? Okay. You know, uh, uh, Africa? You know, I mean, we, everybody has these descendants, right? I mean, we all have, no, honestly, I mean, the United States of America, nobody, if you trace back your descendants, something, they all came from somewhere. You see what I'm saying? And our country is just this melting pot of cultures. And I think it's great. I mean, it's wonderful. You know, but we, we're a mingled people. And I don't know that you can find another nation on this planet that you could say, man, they are just multitudes and nations and tongues. And how about Dutch? No, I'm just kidding. You know, um, so, but, but here's the thing. I'm just trying to figure out where you guys are from. Uh, Slavic. Let's say like 30 hands going, you know. So can you tell me of a nation? That is just a multitude of people? I mean, can you think of one? You go to any, any country in this world, and most people that live there are, from, are, are, are bo- were born to descend of that country. United States of America. Every, because it was birth, remember? There was a mother nation. So it's a nation filled with people that are mingled, people that are in the midst of her. Uh, go back to Isaiah 21. Notice this. I'm just trying to give you, again, you know, you say, well, Pastor, I don't think it's the United States. That's fine. You know, I, I don't know 100% that it is. But I'm just looking at descriptions given to us of Babylon, and we're told that it has a mother nation. We're told that it's a mingled people. We're told in Isaiah 21, look at verse number 1. Isaiah 21, that's where we started tonight. Isaiah 21, look at verse 1. The burden of the desert of the sea. Do you see that? As whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it cometh from the desert from a terrible land. In Isaiah 21, Babylon is referenced that it is the burden of the desert of the sea. There is a sea referenced with Babylon. Go to Jeremiah 51. 
Jeremiah 51. Look at verse number 13. Jeremiah 51. And you ought to just, you ought to just keep something in Jeremiah 50, 51, Revelation 17, 18, because we're going to be going back and forth. Jeremiah 51. Look at verse number 13. Jeremiah 51. Look at verse number 13. Jeremiah 51 and verse 13. O thou that dwellest upon many waters. Do you see that? O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come in the measure of thy covetousness. Go to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. Look at verse number 1. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. I want, you to, I want you to see it. Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show, I will show unto thee the judgment, notice, of the great whore. This is, this is the mother whore. This is Babylon, that sitteth upon many waters. You see that? Now look. The Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylon that Daniel lived in, was not anywhere near a sea or an ocean. Babylon was in a place called Mesopotamia. The word Mesopotamia means two rivers. It was literally between the two rivers of the Tigris and the Euphrates. There was no ocean near it. But yet when we're told of this Babylon that's going to be destroyed from Isaiah, there's a desert of the sea from Jeremiah. It dwelleth upon many waters. In Revelation, it tells us it, sit, it sitteth upon many waters. Now, the Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar did not sit on an ocean. But you know who does? The United States of America has the Atlantic Ocean on one side, the Pacific Ocean on the other side, the Gulf of Mexico runs beneath it. And it's a nation that is protected by water, and surrounded, and it sitteth upon many waters. Go back to Jeremiah 51. Let me show you one more thing. And this is, again, you know, take it for what you want to take it. You study it out on your own. But I think it's interesting. Jeremiah 51, look at verse 53. Jeremiah 51, verse 53. I'm sure this, not, this probably did not make a lot of sense to Jeremiah when he wrote it, when he heard it from God. Jeremiah 51 and verse 53, the Bible says this. Though Babylon, look what he says. Though Babylon, or he says, even though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the heights of her strength, yet from me shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. So Jeremiah talks about a nation that can mount up to heaven and that can fortify the heights of its strength. Now, again, I, and I don't, you know, I'm not, some, some of you guys are way more into politics than, than I am, and I appreciate if you keep me updated, you know, if, if, if Babylon gets destroyed, let me know. But, um, you know, our nation, I, I don't know if you know this, but even, even going back to, like, the 1980s, do you know that our nation has a missile defense program? Where supposedly, if anybody was to send uh, a missile our way, we have all these satellites set up that would, you know, identify them in space and, you know, detonate them in space before they uh, came into our country. I don't know, maybe Israel, but I don't know of any other country that really has the system set up that the United States of America does. And here's what God says to Babylon. Look at it again, Jeremiah 51, 53. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the heights of her strength, yet from me shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. So he says, Babylon, you think you're tough. Babylon, you think you can protect yourself even from heaven. God says, I can make it through. God says, I can destroy you if I want to. 
And again, I'm not telling you it's America. I'm just saying, do you know of a nation that fits, fit, that fits all of these categories? They had a mother. They're a nation of mingled people. They fortify themselves in the air. They, they, they're protected by many waters or they sit on many waters. Now, for sure, it's not Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, but what is this nation? Let me give you another description. Go to Revelation 18. Look at verse 22. Revelation 18, verse 22. An interesting description that we're given about Babylon is this. Revelation 18 and verse 22. Revelation 18 and verse 22, the Bible says, this is referring to after it's destroyed, and the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. God references the fact that this Babylon had music that was heard throughout the world. And he says, when this music is destroyed, when this, music, when this nation is destroyed, the music is destroyed with it, and you don't hear this music anymore. Now, you know, honestly, you know, sometimes as, as independent final Baptists, we believe you ought to, you know, you ought, you ought to just sing praises to God, and, and we reject this worldly music, you know. But let me ask you this. How many Christians are just like, they, you know, I, I've never had a Christian come up to me and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm really struggling with, you know, just worldly music. I just, I, it, it overpowers me, and I know I shouldn't be listening to it, but, but could you pray for me? You know, I, I've never had somebody say, you know, when I ask them, well, what kind of music do you struggle with? No one's ever said, I'm just so into Pakistani music. I mean, it's just, it's so tempting to me. Now, look, in Pakistan, people like Pakistani music, but only in Pakistan. You understand that? In India, people listen to Indian music, and there's, there's uh, you know, Indian singers, but only in India. You know, in, in Russia, they have Russian music, but only in Russia. But do you know that the music that is produced in the United States of America is heard all throughout the world? I mean, when I was 16 years old, my family and I, you know, we went to Venezuela to, to visit. I remember getting on a bus, you know, the public transit, on a bus to go somewhere or whatever, and I sat down, and on the radio, they were playing Eminem. I was 16 years old. I mean, these people don't even speak English, and they're playing the music of America. And it's always been the music of America. I mean, you go anywhere, and you're going to, from the Beatles and Elvis to today, the music of this country is heard throughout the world. And the Bible says when Babylon's destroyed, God said, I'm going to shut the music down. And I just, I don't know of another country. Other countries have music. But I don't know of another country that the entire nation, the entire world, listens to their music. But in the United States of America, everyone pays attention. It's rock and roll. It's, it's American music. Let me give you another example. Look at Revelation 18, look at verse 10. Revelation 18 and verse 10. Revelation 18, 10. Notice what he says. Standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Look at verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. The Bible says when this Babylon is destroyed, the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. When Babylon gets destroyed, all the merchants of the earth say, Who are we going to sell to? 
No, no man buys our merchandise anymore. Look at verse 12. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine uh, wood and all manners of vessel of ivory and all manner of vessels of more uh, precious wood and of brass and of iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and uh, beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusteth after are departed from thee, and all things which were uh, dainty and good are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Verse 15, the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. You have a nation described here that when it's destroyed, all the merchants of the world are saying, who are we going to sell to? Can you tell me of a nation in this entire world that purchases from the entire world? I mean, America is the number one consumer in the world. I mean, everything we have comes from, not, not, almost nothing we have comes from America, but we drive Japanese cars, we drive German cars, we wear Italian suits, everything's, you know, made in China or made in Taiwan or made in Mexico. I mean, look at the stuff you're wearing right now. Look at the tags. It, it probably's not going to say made in the USA. We're the merch, we, 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 are the consumers of the world. And the Bible says that this nation, Babylon, when it's destroyed, the merchants of the world are going to say, who are we going to sell to? I mean, literally, all business, I mean, you know, and I, all, you can't say all, but most of the business done in this world runs through the United States of America. Babylon is a city, and we don't know who it is, but we know this, it has a mother, we know this, it's a people that aren't from there. It's mingled. They're from other places. They speak other languages. We know that it has a way to fortify its sky. We know that it's protected by multiple seas. We know that it's the merchandise of the world. We know that its music runs through. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys, you know, are listening to Mexican music. You know, I mean, some of you maybe. But, um, you know, I don't know how many of you guys are, are, are struggling with, with music from, from other, but, but everybody listens to music from America. So, you know, make your own decision and study it out for yourself. But, and this could be a totally another nation, another country that we've never even heard of that may come later on the scene. But just just looking at, the descriptions of this Babylon, it seems to fit the United States of America. And here's what I want you to see. Are you, are you there in Revelation chapter 18? Look at verse number 10. And, and you've got to remember, Babylon has two sides. Remember, the one world religion and the one world government. And I believe the United States of America fits that one world government. I mean, when you think about the one world government agenda today, who's the number one promoter of a one world government is the United States of America. I mean, the United Nations is based in the United States of America. The United Nations was started, basically, by the United States of America. And I believe that this country is going to play a big role in the one world, not necessarily the one world religion aspect of it, but the one world government aspect of uniting the entire world together. And God, when, when Isaiah looked into the future, when Jeremiah looked into the future, when John looked into the future and he saw a nation 
that had a mother, a nation that came from the hindermost, that, 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 that was a young nation, a nation that had a mingled people, a nation that, that was surrounded by seas, a nation that consumed merchandise from the entire world. They didn't know what it was called. They didn't know what its name was. They just said this nation is going to unite the world like Babel. And they said it must be Babylon. Now notice what happens to this mystery Babylon. Revelation 18, look at verse 10. Revelation 18, verse 10. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city. Notice what it says. For in one hour is thy judgment come. The Bible says that Babylon is destroyed in one hour. Do you see that? Skip down to verse number 17. Revelation 18. Look at verse number 17. For in one hour... So great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the seas by reason for her costliness. For, notice, in one hour is she made desolate. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 50. The Bible tells us in Revelation that this nation, Babylon, this mystery Babylon, is destroyed in one hour. How is it destroyed? I believe there's a hint in Jeremiah chapter 50. If you look at verse 9, Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 9 is destroyed in one hour. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 9, the Bible says this, For lo, I will raise and cause thee to come up against Babylon, an assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. Notice what it says. Their arrows shall be as a mighty expert man. Now, notice, it doesn't say that they're destroyed by arrows, or uh, it's not, not arrows of a mighty expert man, but it says their arrows shall be as of a mighty expert man. Notice what it says. None shall return in vain. Do you see that? Now, the arrows, and again, you, you study it out and decide for yourself, but it could be a, a, a way of referring to, like, missiles. And it's interesting because, look, no nation with a bow and arrow is going to hit the mark every time. But it says this nation, when it's destroyed, the arrows shall be as the mighty expert. Notice what he says. None shall return in vain. And we know that today you got missiles with warheads on them and they travel and they're heat sink, you know, and, and, and they've got all sorts of maps and things. And they can direct them exactly to a location where they want them. And the Bible says that when this nation gets destroyed, a bunch of arrows are going to come in. None of them are going to hit their mark and it's going to be destroyed in one day. Now, in the time of Jeremiah, this would have been impossible to destroy a nation, the empire of Babylon in one day with arrows. But today with missiles, it can be done. With nuclear warheads, you can, destroy this, you can destroy any country, any land, in an hour. Notice who's going to do this. Jeremiah chapter 50, look at verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 3. And, he, and this is where it gets interesting. And like I said, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm not God. You know, you study it out and, and give me your thoughts. But it seems like, keep it for there in Jeremiah chapter 50. Go, go back to... Uh, to Isaiah uh, 21, just real quickly. Isaiah 21. It seems like 
the United States of America is going to be used by the Antichrist to promote this one world government. And then at some point, that one world government is going to turn on the United States of America and destroy it. And, and again, I'm not telling you that's exactly what's going to happen. I, I don't know. But, but notice, notice how it's worded in Isaiah 21. The burden of the desert of the sea, as a whirlwind in the south passed through, so it, the it there is referring to the armies, it cometh from the desert, from a terrible land. Notice this. A grievous vision is declared upon me. I want you to notice these words. The treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously. Do you see that? Now, the idea of treachery is, is not that an enemy attacked you, but that a friend attacked you. You understand that? It comes from the same word as treason. The idea is that this Babylon is destroyed in a treacherous way. Not that, not that enemies come and destroy it, but that someone that maybe was allied with, or someone that did not expect to come against it, has come against it. Now, notice, go back to Jeremiah chapter 50. Look at verse 3. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse number 3. Where do these people come from? Jeremiah chapter 50, look at verse 3. Jeremiah 53, And out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. Look at verse 9, same chapter. For lo, I will raise and and cause to come up against Babylon, notice, an assembly of great nations, from the north country. Do you see that? An assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. Their arrows shall be as of a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. Look at verse uh, 41, same chapter. Isaiah 50, verse 41. Behold, Isaiah 50, verse 41. Behold, a people shall come from the north. You're like, I knew it. It was those Canadians. <laughs> no, I, don't. I doubt it. I don't know. Maybe their Mounties got tough. I don't know. But uh, it's probably not um, Canada. But you got to understand that we live in a a world that's round. I know some of you guys still think, you know, Columbus was right. There's all these conspiracies about that. But as far as we know, the world is round. And if you were to, to, to just put your finger on, you know, grab a globe and put your finger on America and just begin to travel north on that globe, and you're going to have to pass Canada. Okay, I don't think it's Canada. And, and you know, and you, you got the, the North Pole. But if you continue north, directly north of the United States of America, what are you going to find? You're going to find the Soviet Union, the USSR. And you say, well, they don't exist anymore. Oh, they, they're alive and well. It's just called the, the European Union. I mean, it, those countries over there. And you say, well, well, we're all assembling together. The United Nations is going to unite with the European Union, and we're all going to join together. I, I agree. In fact, I believe that America is probably going to be used to head that thing up. But at some point, there's going to be treachery. And God will even, use, will even use that wicked government of the Antichrist, that assembly of nations, to come from the north and to punish Babylon. Because you've got to understand this. Nations are not judged in the next world. They must be judged in this world. Look at Jeremiah chapter 50. Uh, look at verse 41. I, I can't remember if we looked at it. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 41. Behold, a people shall come from the north, and a great nation, and many kings shall be raised up from the coast of the earth. Look at verse 48. Jeremiah 51, verse 48. Then the heavens and the earth and all that is therein shall sing for Babylon... For the spoilers shall come unto her from the north, saith the Lord. 
Now go, go back to, to, to Jeremiah 50 and, and, and look at verse number 40 real quickly. And I, I just want to try to make real quick application and we'll be done. You decide for yourself. You study it out for yourself. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm 100% sure the United States of America is Babylon. I don't know. But as you look at the descriptions, we know it's not Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. We know there's a coming nation that is going to be called Babylon, a one that's going to unite the world under a one world government. And it's going to be included in that a one world religion. And here's what we know about them. They have a mother nation. They are mingled people. They are able to fortify the heavens and the skies. They, uh, they, 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 they have waters all around them, different seas around them. Their music is distributed into the entire world. Their merchant, they, they purchase the merchandise of the entire world. And I believe that America cannot get away with the freedoms they've given the sodomites, the, the, the promoting of the homosexual movement in this country with the amounts of abortions that are done every year, with, with just the, the wickedness that comes, I mean, the wickedness that comes out of this nation and defiles the rest of the world out of Hollywood and, uh, and out of our pornography industry and out of all those things. I just don't think that America is just going to kind of, you know, slide under the radar and God is not going to deal with us. I believe judgment is coming. Now, here's what I want you to see, okay? And, and I, we can do this quickly, and, and it won't take too long. Are you, you're there in Jeremiah chapter 50? Look, look at verse number 40. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 40. I want you to notice that God gives us a description of how, of, 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 of how Babylon is going to be destroyed. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 40. As God overthrew Sodom... And Gomorrah, and the neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord. So shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. God says, when I destroy Babylon, I'm going to destroy it in the same way that I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, here's what we know. It's not going to be destroyed in the same way as God's going to, you know, get fire from hell and pour it upon Sodom. We've already seen it's arrows, it's a nation coming and destroying it. So what does that mean? And here's what I believe it means, because we, we have this idea. Go, go to 2 Kings chapter 22. I know we were there this morning, but I want you to see them. 2 Kings 22. I want you to understand this. We should not have this defeated attitude. Like, America's just gone down the wayside. It's horrible. God's going to destroy it, and, and we're just done. Now listen to me. America has gone by the wayside. God is going to destroy it, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're done. It doesn't mean that we have to just kind of have this defeated, just forget it, you know, just let it all, you know, uh, go downstream. Because here's what God said. When I destroy Sodom, he said, that's how it's going to be when I destroy Babylon. And I wish I had the time to develop this. I just, I just don't. In the Bible, there is this concept called a covenant of salt. You ought to study that phrase out in Scripture. When God makes a covenant of salt, he, he, what he's doing is he's entering into a covenant of preservation. That's what the salt represents, preservation. Remember, God made a covenant of salt with David. And what he was saying was, David, I'm going to preserve you as king. I will not remove you as king. Even if I have to split the kingdom and give ten tribes to another side and give you one tribe and a few little tribes, I will keep you as king because I have developed a covenant of salt, of preservation with you. Well, I believe that God has a covenant of salt upon nations with Christians. Because you remember Jesus said that ye are the what? Salt of the earth. Now listen to me. When God destroyed Sodom, whose fault was it? Well, it was those Sodomites. Now, that's why he destroyed it, but that's, it wasn't their fault. Yeah, I don't know. What are you saying? It was because of their fornication. Now, that's why he destroyed it, but it wasn't their fault. 
Because remember, when, God, when Abraham, and I don't, we don't have time to look at it, but remember, when Abraham came to God and said, will thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? And Abraham said, if there be 50 righteous, God said, I won't destroy Sodom. And then Abraham kind of scratched his head and said, okay, uh, how about 40? <laughs> and God said, for 40, I won't destroy. He said, how about 30? For, if there's 30 righteous people, I won't destroy. What about 25? What about 20? What about 10? And God said, if there's 10 righteous people in Sodom, with all their wickedness, with all their filth, with everything that they've done, I'll spare it. Now, look, I believe that God will eventually destroy Babylon. I mean, he's already predicted it. He's not going to turn his back on that. But I believe that there's this covenant of salt that God's kind of waiting for. This this fulfillment. He's just kind of waiting for, for it to get so far down where there's not even five you know, lots there, where there's not even five, where it's easier for him to send angels in and bring them out than it is to just preserve the whole thing for the sake of the righteous. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I, and my eschatology may be off on this, and you've got to figure it out for yourself. But I believe, see, the Bible says that God is not willing that any, the Bible says that God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I just believe, I just believe that even though God will destroy Babylon, which I, I think is America. I do believe that if there was a group of people who just got on fire for God, if there was a group of people who just said, you know what, nuts to the world and nuts to the things of this earth, and I'm going to sell out and I'm going to give myself, and I'm going to like, remember Josiah? I'm going to like Josiah, follow God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. If people got on fire reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I just believe that God might look down from heaven and say, now I will destroy it, but not yet. But not yet. Now notice, are you there in, in, in 2 Kings 22? Look at verse 16. Just, 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 just let me show it to you and, and we'll be done. 2 Kings 22, look at verse 16. Remember Josiah this morning? Josiah started reading nine chapters a day and got right with God. 2 Kings 22, look at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord. This is the word of God coming to Josiah. Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof. Even all the words of the book which the king of Judah Judah hath read. Now listen, by Josiah's presence, did it stop the coming judgment? No. God said, I am going to destroy this land for its wickedness. Verse 17. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their head of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent to you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and as rent thy clothes and wet before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Look at verse 20, because you understand it. Here's what God is saying to Josiah. God is saying, I'm going to destroy the land for their wickedness, for, their, for, their, for all the sins that they've done. Remember Manasseh killed uh, innocent blood, and God said, I will not forgive it. I will destroy it. Judgment will come down. But here's what he said to Josiah. Because you got right, because you lived for God, because you did what you were supposed to do. Verse 20, Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. See, here's what I believe. That God will destroy Babylon. But he doesn't have to necessarily do it in my lifetime. 
and he doesn't have to do it in the lifetime of my children. And let him do it when Lot shows up. But you got to understand this. Instead of just giving up on America and instead of just saying America's filthy and America's wicked and America is filthy and America is wicked and somebody does need to stand up against all the wickedness and the filth that's coming out of Hollywood and all the pornography and all the addictions and all the drugs and all the things that our nation promotes, we need to stand up against it. But instead of getting all defeated and saying, well, just give up and let God destroy, hey, why don't we just get right with God? Why don't we just get on fire? Why don't we just say, hey, I'm going to turn back to God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And maybe, just maybe, we can preserve this land for my children and for your children and for your grandkids. I'm not saying that it won't get destroyed, but does it have to happen on our watch? Does it have to go while we're in charge? All I'm saying is let's not be a lot. Let's be a Josiah. Where God will say, I'm not going to change my mind. But I won't do it while you're around. Because listen to me. I know we talk about the tribulation. The kids get all excited. Oh, I'm gonna go, we're going to go live in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> now look, I will go to prison. I'm okay with going to prison, but I don't want to go. I like my bed. I, I, I will go through persecution, but I, I'm not volunteering. And if we can spread the gospel, and if we can get right with God, and if we can reach people, and if we can make sure that if there's 50 people that need to be in this land that are righteous for God to not destroy it. Can we just keep it above that number so that it won't happen in our lifetime? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father.